This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations that will help you examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, and I'm here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning, Marna, and good morning, Kelly. Monday was President's Day, a day to honor the birthdays of Presidents Washington and Lincoln, both born in February. Apropos of that, this week I wanted to talk about a list titled George Washington's 110 Rules for Civility. I found it in a book called The Book of Virtues, A Treasury of Great Moral Stories, edited with commentary by William J. Bennett. This volume is a terrific compilation of stories, fables, poems, and Bible passages with moral lessons. It was followed up later with a book called The Moral Compass, Stories for a Life's Journey. So while leafing through it, I came across George Washington's Rules of Civility. Mr. Bennett wrote, In the late 19th century, a school notebook was discovered at Mount Vernon, Virginia, George Washington's plantation home on the Potomac River. The notebook dates from about 1745, when George was 14. Inside, in George's own handwriting, we find the foundation of a solid character education for an 18th century youth. Most of the rules are still delightfully applicable as a modern code of personal conduct. They are based on a set of rules composed by French Jesuits in 1595. So these are very old. They've been around a long time. There are 110 of them, and they're in the public domain now. You'll find the complete list on mountvernon.org website. So Kelly and Mike, I sent you an excerpt of 54, not realizing that there was a complete list of 110 out there. And I'd like to talk about some of our favorites today in honor of President Washington. But first, I want to ask you, what were your initial thoughts on reading them? Had you seen the list before, Mike? No, I hadn't, Marna. And I tell you, I was delighted to see them when you sent them. And I guess I have to put this in context. So today is Sunday, February 14th, and yesterday the impeachment trial ended. And if you watched any of that, and I didn't watch it live, but I did watch some summaries, you saw sort of the back and forth of what I would characterize as a significant lack of civility at its best. You or know, worst, depending on <laughs> yeah, right. look at it. Right. And so to get what you sent kind of in this context now, when our, our society, our public discourse is just um, riven by dispute and character assassination and all sorts of things, to read those 54 that you sent us made my day. Thanks, Marna. You're welcome. Eye-opening, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Kelly, what were your um, thoughts on reading it? I really enjoyed reading it. I don't recall having seen them before. I do think, you know, when we talk about etiquette and we look at the definition of etiquette, it's the customary code of polite behavior in society. And these rules of civility really cover that. So it's fun. and, And I think they're timeless. Now, having said that, I think there are some negatives. I mean, significant negatives. I think they make it clear how unequal society was at that time, how hierarchical it was. I think they're sexist. Uh, They use the word men and they use, you know, titles and repeatedly reference men and man and he and him. And it's not in the generic sense. And there was one use of the word master. So, you know, there's deep concerns there. So there are some negatives. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go back to Mike. And 
Mike, I'd like you to tell us a couple of your favorites and why they made an impression on you. Yeah, I, I will do that, Marna. But before we get started, what Kelly said sort of made me think, you know, these are, I, I found many of them to be timeless. You know, sure, they were written in the the mid-17th century, I think, 1640s, you said. But they certainly can be applied today. You know, I think you obviously have to use this little different lens that Kelly was talking about. But many of them are very timeless. You know, in a previous life, I used to teach history, and I can remember students who would try to pin me down, you know, especially some kid who was really good at math or science, and he he or she would look at me and go, now, now, why do we study history? All these old dead people. What? How do they? How is? How is that relevant for us? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and I would go. You know, it's a good question, and I'm going to give it my best answer. And that is that, even though our circumstances have changed, our technology has changed, our society has changed, the one immutable, um, common element is that I believe, at least, human nature has not changed. And so when you look at what people did in the past and why they did it, which is really the study of history, um, you can learn a lot. Because although they had different tools and they had different circumstances and they had different technologies, let's say, they had to go through the same process that all of us go through now to make decisions. And they had to weigh good and bad. They had to weigh outcomes, benefits versus costs. That's why we study history. I saw that same stuff in this list. So Yes, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I mean, some of them were fussy and funny and stuffy, but many of them were the things that leaders in the military and mothers and fathers teach their children now. Right. So to my favorites, let me start with one which reminds me of my time in the Army. One of the things that we used to say often was, never believe the first sit rep. And... A sit rep in the army is, you know, a a report you get on what's going on, and sometimes on the battlefield or in training, you know, sit reps can be wrong. So if you were to believe everything you hear in a military operation or in battle, you would probably be poorly served, let's say. Maybe you'd make some wrong decisions. So we never would listen to the first sit rep. And so I looked at number 21, as you have them ordered here, and what George Washington wrote what wrote down was, be not hasty to believe flying reports to the disparagement of anyone. So in other <laughs> words, don't believe the first thing you hear right? Especially when it has to do with a person, a human being. Right. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe hear it from two credible sources before you act on it or before you even believe it. So I I like that one. And if we could just maybe slow the cycle down a little bit and stop knee-jerk reactions whenever we hear something, I think that would contribute to civility. Yeah, especially if you read it on the internet, as we have talked about. Oh, yeah. Consider your source, right? Yeah, exactly. I highlighted that one too, Mike. I've always been kind of surprised at how easily people believe a rumor or gossip or something, even if it flies in the face of what you know Mm -hmm. firsthand about that person. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm more inclined to say, that doesn't sound like her, Mm -hmm. or that doesn't sound like something he would do. Yeah. What else have you got? Oh, so I get to do two in a row. All right. So that was 21. I like number 24. And number 24 says, associate yourself with men. 
There you go, Kelly. <laughs> I paused for, for, your, for your benefit, <laughs> Kelly. Associate yourself with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation, for it is better to be alone than in bad company. So in other words, if you lie down with dogs, you will rise with fleas. Okay. Um, <laughs> that sounds so crude when you put it that way. <laughs> well, hey, you know. Yeah. So I, I think in many cases, people in our society these days go, you know, you hear them say something like, well, yeah, I got some sketchy friends, but I'm a really good person. They may not say that, but that's what they, they want you to believe. Well, I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot and done a lot. And I tend to judge people by the company they keep. I think that's, you know, that's me. Yeah. But I think mm -hmm. it's pretty fair. And George Washington obviously said the same thing or wrote the same thing way back when. Right. Well, somebody said, show me the friends, I'll show you the man. I can't remember who said that. Yeah. You know, another or the woman. sexist. Yeah, it's another. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. Thank <laughs> originally you. written You're as welcome. a sexist. <laughs> show me the <laughs> friends, I'll show you the person. So, Kelly, you want to weigh in here? Sure. There were two that jumped out at me, and they're very similar. And you do see a lot of overlap as you look at them, which I yes, think is kind of do. good. Mm -hmm. um, the first was speak not injurious words, neither in jest or or earnest scoff at none although they give occasion yeah. i like that one too oh, <laughs> although like they that. give occasion I like yeah I? I mean oh sorry go ahead mike no i just want to change mine to kelly's that was really good <laughs> and there's a related one speak no evil of the absent for it is unjust so both of those good. i think just just go to what we talk about all the time be kind be kind. So the one you just mentioned, that's my New Year's resolution every year. Oh, <laughs> every it's year. Really, it's really and, don't. And it lasts a couple days. Work in progress. Is that <laughs> Speak what not evil of the absent for it is unjust. <laughs> gossip is so tempting. It, gossip is, is really tough. And it ultimately goes back to be kind because you wouldn't want people talking about you unless the gossip is about a sick friend and helping them or how they're doing or something like that. But I thought these two were very timeless. I like, you know, he wasn't using man, men, superior, master. He was speaking generically and just about the timeless proposition of be kind to others, love one another. Kelly, I think a good homework assignment for you would be to rewrite all these in gender-neutral terms oh, to be applied gosh. today. I'm sure that's out there. I'm sure I that's feel like you're there. making fun of me, but okay. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I think that would be a good exercise for somebody. I'm just saying good thing. I didn't make fun of Kelly. Holy <laughs> The fur would be flying. Regardless of the negatives, these are really thought-provoking and, and can only be helpful. And I'm getting from the research I was doing on this that this was a common teaching tool at the time to get the, the youth to write all of these out by hand so that they could really assimilate the lessons. Yeah, I think so. My second one, if I can share that, because the two that I read, I, I almost read as one, which I really liked and I think is applicable in our fast-paced society, and that is, when another speaks, be attentive yourself and disturb not the audience. If any hesitate in his words, help him not, nor prompt him without being desired. Interrupt him not, nor answer him till his speech be ended. It's a long one, and it really covers two different issues, 
But I really liked it because in today's society, it's so fast paced. We're so distracted. We're Mm -hmm. looking at our phones. We're looking at the computer. We're looking at the news. We rarely just sit and rest in somebody else's words and listen to them and totally attend to them. And I also think sometimes we're in such a hurry that if we're dealing with somebody who's kind of thoughtful and uh, maybe a, a, a slower speaker, you know, we're sort of like, okay, yeah, um, oh, you mean blah, blah, blah? <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm guilty of this, you know. Mm-hmm. I will occasionally help somebody out with the word they're searching for. Like me. Like you, <laughs> yeah, just to, you know, not to derail or hijack the conversation, just to, you know, if they can't pull it out of their their head, I'll just, oh, do you mean amortize? <laughs> yeah. But, but see, you're a wordsmith, Marna. I mean, <laughs> you're more gifted than the rest of us in that domain. But Kelly, I want to, I loved what you just said. I want to look at the other side of that coin. So you, yours was, do not interrupt someone who's speaking, if I could paraphrase. And number six if you guys look at that one, says, read no letters, books, or papers in company. But when there is a necessity for doing it, you must ask leave. So let's modify that for modern times, and let's change it to read no device in company. (laughs) But when there is a necessity for doing it, you must ask leave. I know I'm an old timer, but it drives me nuts when I'm with someone who thinks that the thing that just buzzed on their phone, whatever that might be, is more important than me. And they stop the conversation and they look down and they fiddle with their device. That to me is just so disrespectful. So I think it's it's the other side of that coin, Kelly. You know, don't interrupt people while they're speaking. But on the other hand, if they are speaking, don't look at your device. And that's another form of interruption. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because he says, be attentive yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or the saying, be attentive. And as Washington said, if you feel like you're going to have to look at your phone, either excuse yourself or... You know, I've had occasions where I was waiting to hear something or I was really concerned about my mom and and I was awaiting word or something like that. And if that's the situation and you're talking to somebody, you can just let them know and say, hey, I just I have my phone here. I want to apologize. I'm waiting on an important thing and I may glance down at it and, you know, please excuse me or something like that. And I think that's perfectly, perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I agree. um, There are people who... You know, it's like their device is surgically attached to, yes. the, to them, to their hand, and they, they can't operate without it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard, and we've talked about it before. I mean, they're just built to be addictive. Mm-hmm. They really yeah. are. Yeah, right. And even for our generation, the more you use it, the more you use it. Yeah. Now, what about the person you're with who answers a text or something when you're in the middle of a conversation and says to you, I'm still listening, go on, while they're texting back. Oh, that's another podcast. That has to do with (laughs) multitasking, Marna, which we need to do. Put that on the list, please, multitasking. Yeah, they may think they can. I'm not a believer. I'm not a big believer in multitasking. I'm not either. I'm very distracted when somebody's texting and telling me, go on, I'm listening, go on. I'll just wait. Only multitask if you want your work to be poor. Yeah, I mean, it depends. If I have a family member or somebody that does it, it bothers me less. Like, you know, if we're just 
kind of together and hanging out and that kind of thing. If I'm with a friend or a colleague and they do that, I'm not going to say anything, but I certainly feel it's a sign of they're not that interested in me and I'm not that important. You know, it's a little disrespectful. Oh, yeah. For sure. I got to give a shout out to my wife, Kathy. Um, And, you know, we kind of, our kids were raised as the whole smartphone thing uh, took off and the older kids only got them well quite late but i tell you if you came to the dinner table with your phone and it buzzed or rang man you were in trouble that kid was sent packing by his or her mother my lovely wife so (laughs) i hope that message got through to those guys lovely and formidable (laughs) i I need kathy to come to my house yeah (laughs) oh man I've known Kathy even, a long time. Even <laughs> when our 22-year-old, still who's the youngest, comes to dinner, dinner and do laundry. That's the purpose we serve now. Um, <laughs> you know, and he shows up with his phone or it's in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And you hear she hears the buzz in the pocket. She'll look at him cross-eyed like, okay, do you really want to be here? <laughs> then be with us, right. Have you heard of the cell phone stack? When you go out to dinner with a group of people, everybody has to stack their cell phones in the middle of the table. And if there's a phone call, the first person who reaches for their cell phone picks up the tab. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> See how addictive they are? Yeah, how bad do you want that phone call? Yeah, right. So I have two that I want to share with you. Actually, I have more than two, but these ones especially jumped out at me. Number 33, go not thither where you know not whether you shall be welcome or not. Give not advice without being asked, and when desired, do it briefly. First of all, being a wordsmith and a language practitioner, I love the way these are written. (laughs) Go not thither. Second of all, the second part of this, give not advice without being asked. This is a personal philosophy of mine I've had for a long time. With very few exceptions, I don't believe in unsolicited advice. I will wait until I'm asked and then give it. But I try not to hand out advice wholesale. Even Um, within family, Marna? Even within family, I will say, would you like to know what I think? Or Mm -hmm. would you like my advice? Now, I do make exceptions sometimes. But for the most part, I try not to do that. Mm, That's great. Unsolicited advice. And the other one is number 36, gaze not on the marks or blemishes of others and ask not how they came. What you may speak in secret to your friend, deliver not before others. So I I wanted to talk about the first one, gaze not on the marks or blemishes of others. I have a fairly prominent scar on my throat from surgery a couple years ago where I had a cancerous growth removed. And it's interesting and kind of shocking to me how total strangers will ask me how I got it. Like, you know what, Marna? I, n- I have never noticed it. I, I have to say, in the times we were together wow. recently, mm-hmm. I never noticed it. I, I, I find it funny that, that you're bringing it up. Either I'm clueless or I just don't <laughs> notice stuff. Or maybe I, I was wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> I don't know. I know, but we, we've seen each other like in the springtime. and I, mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, keep going. So I just, I think that's a little rude especially yeah. somebody you don't even know. Like if you're the barista at Starbucks or we were at, I was at a house closing and the other uh, real estate agent who was present asked me about the scar. Wow. And I was, was kind of shocked. <laughs> and then there are other people who it, it will come up later, their friends or whatever, and usually they're medical people too. And they'll say, well, I noticed it, but I just, I never said anything, which yeah. is the polite thing to do. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they noticed it, Marna. 
<laughs> Unlike your clueless friend, me. <laughs> well, you're not clueless. Maybe I'm a little self-conscious of it. I don't know. No, that's a good one. And, uh, you know, I think it underlines the whole idea that this list would, if better known and better followed, it would make our society and our families and all the people we hang out with much more civil and much more courteous. I think we could stand for a little bit of that these days. Yeah, courteous for sure. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for being polite and manners. Yeah. And restraint. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, like on the advice one, that was one of my top ones also, Marna. It wasn't my number one, but... But I have it here, and I highlight it. Give not advice without being asked, and when desired, do it briefly. Because I think I was brought up being given a lot of advice, which I liked, and I appreciated. I I like to have a lot of different people provide input, think about it, assess it, and come to a conclusion. I always felt like kind of the more the better. But I've come to learn that, you know, that your position... And the way you think about it is probably best, especially with my children, because you want them to feel capable and, you know, to feel like they don't constantly need advice and input from their mom, you know, or their dad or their grandparents. I mean, you're saying here's how you fix it. Right. You know, you got it. You got it. If you need anything, let me know. But I have confidence in you. You'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, and I've noticed um I've read about this in books about male-female communication. Sometimes women are just just talking because they want to talk it out. And their significant other wants to solve it and wants to give you the advice to how to fix it. Well, that's not the motivation of the woman to be talking about. She just wants to, you know, get it out there. Oh, no, I want to do both. (laughs) I I want to talk a lot. And I want to solve it. Problem solver (laughs) that you are. (laughs) And I just need to be quiet. (laughs) That's the big thing I've learned as I've aged. Just if you're not sure, don't say anything. Just be quiet. Yeah. Now, Mike, this is one number 17 I wanted to talk to you about because this was one of the um, significant pieces of advice when we were both in the Army. Number 17, being to advise or reprehend anyone, consider whether it ought to be in public or in private, presently or at some other time. Also, in what terms to do it, and in reproving, show no signs of choler, and do it with sweetness and mildness. Yeah, sweetness and mildness. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think you'll find that in an army yeah, manual. Yeah, maybe not that part, but also <clears throat> somehow um, those words don't ring. Don't ring. Praise in public, punish in private. That's what I always heard. Yeah, when no, I was in the I, army, it's, it's a great one, and you very quickly figure out. Think if you're a good leader, if you're an accomplished leader, thoughtful leader, dare I say, effective leader, you learn that doing that with restraint and choosing your time carefully and choosing your setting carefully is of absolute importance. I guess that became most apparent to me late in my career as I became more senior and I worked with a lot of senior people. And there were folks who we used to refer to as they were a kiss up, kick down leader. Have you ever heard that before? No, never. Yeah. So kiss if up, kick kiss, down. Ooh, kiss yeah. up, kick down. Yeah. That's yeah, very he's succinct. A kiss, he's a kiss up, kick down, which meant that those are the kind of people who are currying favor with their seniors. When you get more senior in the army, selection becomes even more political and subjective. Selection for promotion, that is. 
And, you know, there are people who did that all the time. They would be incredibly nice and respectful, and they would use all of these things that we've been talking about today when working with their their senior officers. But when they were with their subordinates, man, they were hell. And they just would beat people up and chew them up and, and spit them out in public. I worked for a couple guys like that. But the great tragedy there was sometimes they got away with it. And so then you'd see these guys, you know, pick up another star. And you'd go, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. And, of course, the modern take on that is sending out an email blast where you chew somebody out oh, yeah, and everybody yeah. in the organization is CC'd. That's like malpractice, though. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean wouldn't they consider, like, in the Army, I would think they would have some kind of, like, reverse review process. And yeah. I would think that the leadership would look at, is he loved and respected by his men and women, you know, yeah. by the troops? Right. How does he lead them? Yeah. You know, I would think that would be critical to promotions. There's been a lot of efforts in that direction and 360-degree ratings and reports and reviews. I know those are used in industry and corporate world a lot, but they've never quite figured it out. So when it comes down to getting promoted, it's really what your boss thinks of you and what your boss's boss thinks of you. And then the rest of it, you know, is often, they often try to figure it out, but it's harder. It's harder to figure that out, uh, especially when, you know, you don't have a lot of contact with people. And the higher you go in the army, the less time you have with others. You know, you often see people in very fleeting circumstances. So that being said, I just let me finish, Marna. Um, okay. There are uh, there are. I won't interrupt. Scores. There are scores of magnificent, wonderful leaders out there, many of whom reach the highest ranks. So it's it's those folks, men and women, who you who you really you know, you have faith in, and that's what keeps you going. So Yeah, we like to think that these things have a way of working themselves out, that somebody who is terrible to their subordinates will not get the promotions and such. Right. But but sometimes they do. It happens. Yeah. And well, just does. likewise, the great people often get promoted, too. Mm-hmm. So good and bad. All right, I've got one more. This is number 48. Actually, I've got two more. Be not tedious in discourse. Make not many digressions, nor repeat often the same matter of discourse. The reason I highlighted that is my kids say I repeat stories a lot. I'll be telling a story and, and they'll finish it for me. Yeah, I've heard that one before, Mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, Marna, that's something they'll remember and they might tell their <laughs> kids. No, I'm, that's like, that is one of my New Year's resolutions. All right, you guys ready? Yes. Tell more stories. Ready. Ah, tell more you stories. You know, I, I tend to be, you know, I am a man. Both of you have brought that up today. <laughs> so I tend to speak in very you know, direct, factual ways most of the time. So my resolution this year is tell more stories, more narratives, and maybe I'll repeat myself, but maybe somebody will remember. So uh, I think you're okay, Marna. And I would also encourage you to write down your stories. Oh, there we go again. Here we go again. There we go again. My dad is a great storyteller. Yeah. He is he is very I don't know if it's because he's an Irishman, but he's a talker and he tells some stories Oh, my gosh. Funny, <laughs> funny, long. I mean, he goes on and on. But they're, they're great. They really are. I agree with you. Storytelling is wonderful. Yeah. yeah, they are great. I was in a car with my son, and I was supposed to be navigating. And I was a little confused about where we were on the, the GPS. It was one of these early versions of GPS. It's not great graphics. So my son, Stephen, pulls over to the side of the road. He goes, I'll just 
get this out on my cell phone and we'll figure it out. And I said, I said, well, I kind of, I know where we are. I mean, just stick with me. And he said, confirm, 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 mom. Isn't that what you always taught us? <laughs> wow. I said, I did tell you that. I'm so glad you listened. <laughs> Coming back at you. Hmm? Yeah, that's what he said. Comes back to you. <laughs> What what does that mean? Confirm, confirm, confirm. It means uh, verify. <laughs> Is that from your training as a helicopter pilot, Marna? Yes. You know, basically Army. Yeah. A lot of work in the Army is administrative stuff and communication stuff. Mm-hmm. So you have to confirm, confirm, confirm. Yeah. Don't don't believe the first sit rep. <laughs> exactly. Circle back to that first one. Now, I'm surprised that neither one of you said this one in light of what we have gone through politically recently. This is number 47. In disputes, be not so desirous to overcome as not to give liberty to each one to deliver his opinions and submit to the judgment of the major part, especially if they are judges of the dispute. Yeah. Good. Submit to the judgment of the major part. So I guess that means derailing it based on a petty note or something. Yeah. That was a long one. That was a little tough to follow. Would you like to hear the most favorite rules of civility on the Mount Vernon website? Yes. They are allowed to upvote rules on the website, and this one received the most upvotes. 4,500. Every action done in company ought to be with some sign of respect to those that are present. Hey, that's just what we were talking about. Respect. Amen. Mm -hmm. Very good. And then the second most popular one, with 4,200 votes, put not off your clothes in the presence of others, nor go out your chamber half-dressed. Very practical. (laughs) Always good advice. Especially when it's 10 degrees outside, like it is here. (laughs) Didn't we have a half-dressed person run on the field at the Super Bowl? You did? Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole story behind that. Totally undressed. Bad form, as my dad would say. Well, you know, the crazy thing about that is... And I didn't read all the articles, but he did it because he had bet, you know, that he had bet $50,000 that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl. Like that was one of the option bets. And he was like, I got this because I'll be the streaker and I'll win all the money. So and that's what happened. Um, But then he told everybody. And the last thing I read was that I think his winnings are in doubt because he, he... yeah, because he impacted, and I, I, I didn't read the whole thing because I was like, I got better things to do. But I thought it was hysterical that he couldn't keep his mouth shut, and he might have lost, you know, he just might have lost fifty thousand dollars, addition to all the winnings, in addition to embarrassing himself. Yeah. Well, these rules do talk about being able to keep a secret. That comes up numerous times. Do you know yeah. what his legal penalty was, Kelly? I mean. I'm trying to weigh $50,000 versus criminal conviction here. Oh, I think it's just like a misdemeanor charge of trespassing, I believe, is what I... Is what I saw. Now, like in Virginia, they would charge probably trespassing and indecent exposure. Like, I saw charges... you know, when I was a trial attorney that I always thought were pretty lame. Sometimes a guy would pull over... Uh, you know, just to, just to take a quick, uh, you know, bathroom break. And and if it was kind of visible, you know, I had several cases where the men were charged for indecent exposure, which really isn't the right charge because they're 
They're just so they could have probably charged that as well, but I don't know the Florida statutes. So. It looked pretty indecent to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, but that's a <laughs> it has a a different connotation that could really impact the person's life. So there's there's got to be a more appropriate charge. But I think he just was charged with trespassing. Wow. I'm sure he's going to be prohibited from attending any games, yeah. the stadium. Usually you're banned for mm-hmm. ten years or for life or something. Yeah. Well, what are the that. ethics of of bet rigging he rigged his own bet yeah i know it but it's kind of (laughs) clever i know it's it's terrible for me to say but kind of clever not appropriate and i think he lost his winnings he didn't show restraint i think that's somewhere in our list too i think it is in a number of ways yeah (laughs) oh actually here's one here which applies to this situation when in company put not your hands to any part of the body not usually discovered (laughs) (laughs) whoa okay that's a good one (laughs) that's kind of not usually discovered that's a (laughs) very interesting Hmm. way to put it okay and i've got two more these may not have been in the list i sent you they may have been on the full list honor and obey your natural parents although they be poor i thought that was kind of funny although they be poor honor them your natural parents i think that's a one of the ten commandments too right (laughs) Yes. And then the last one is be not tedious in discourse or in reading unless you find the company pleased therewith. So find yourself some people who are pleased with tedious company and you'll be good to go. I've spent a lifetime looking for them, Marna, and I have (laughs) yet to find them. No, no. And with our attention span these days, I'm surprised anybody would put up with tedious company. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, this wasn't the one, you know, you asked for two, but I have a a really close third. It was the last one on the list you sent us, Marna, number 54. And it says, I I think it just kind of um, pulls them all together, at least for me. And it says, labor to keep alive in your breast that little spark of celestial fire called conscience. Oh, I love that. And, you know. Yeah, I I love that one too, Mike. I mean, that one just kind of like, I think I'm going to ditch all the rest of my New Year's resolutions and just put that in there. I know. know? That encapsulates all of them. Yeah. It really does. I I, I loved that one, and I stayed away from it because I knew in our prep that it was one of your favorites, Mike. Mm -hmm. But I think it... It pulls together all the themes. When you talk about conscience, you talk about being kind and thoughtful and being a good listener and mm-hmm. not gossiping and keeping your word and all those things that you know Washington addressed or whomever he was translating from in these rules of civility. The Jesuits. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of unusual that, that he would copy from a Catholic. I wonder if that's accurate. Well, I think that England copied it from the French text, and then it, it became assimilated into English educational structure. So really, it, yeah. it became Anglican, yeah. um, which made it okay. That and they, makes sense. Yeah, and they probably forgot that the Jesuits originally came up with it. Translate right. it once, and it loses its... Uh, And it's yours. (laughs) Right. Right. So I have a question about this little spark of celestial fire called conscience. Say you're not a youth who gets character education from your tutors like George Washington. Is this little spark innate in people? Is it caught or taught or is it always there as part of the human condition? Mm. Wow, Marna. Tough question. I don't think it's there. 
I really don't. I wish it was, but just from representing people brought up in the most horrific circumstances and defendants who did horrible things but were subjected to horrible things during their lives, I think you have to see it in your life. You have to see it. You have to have it modeled for you? I think so. I mean, people can go through a lot, but if it's a life that is so fraught with abuse and there's no way that you would know or could know about conscience or what a conscience is or what appropriate behavior is. And that's certainly what I saw in the criminal justice system. People who never had a chance. People who really never knew the difference between right and wrong. People who nobody ever loved. That's sad. Really sad. So I, I just don't think you're born with it. I think it has to be. You have to see it. It, it may not be in your parents, it, but it has to be something that you experience in your life or your education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with Kelly. I mean, I, I think the tendency in human beings is that it wants to be there. It will grow if given even the smallest little encouragement or cultivation. But yeah, it's got to be modeled. Someone has to experience it, has to understand it. And oh, by the way, I think it comes in different flavors. It's what allows human society to flourish because standing alone, we're very weak, but standing together, we can be very strong. So conscience binds all of that into one, us into one. Well, I think that the fact that we're discussing rules of civility that were written in the 1500s, and some of them are very timely for today, tells Mm -hmm. you a lot Mm -hmm. about it. Well, that's a nice note to end things with. Great discussion today, you guys. Let's keep the conversation going. Let us know your thoughts and ideas. Our email address is inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com. You can also leave a comment or voicemail at our website, www.ethicsandetiquette.com. Our Instagram is at ethicsetiquette, and we're on Facebook, Ethics and Etiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd really appreciate it. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Thanks for being with us today, and please join us again. New episodes are posted on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. See you then.